have a, um, we have a missionary that we support. And um, what happens when you become a missionary is you have to raise support from people uh, all around. And um, then what you do is you, you do this missionary newsletter. And basically, that's the way you kind of keep the people who are supporting you up to date on what's going on. And oftentimes what will happen is you'll have somebody who's called to a certain location, like uh, Barista Stan or whatever. There's no country like that, but I just made it up for this example. And they go to Barista Stan and they send out a newsletter. And basically, the first newsletter you get from a missionary doesn't really have any ministry in it because they're just moving. So what will happen is the first newsletter will say, um, uh, you know, pray for housing. We want to find a place to live that's in the center of where we want to do ministry. Uh, um, Pray for a job for Bob, who's, you know, because a lot of missionaries, they have to work as well. They can't just be doing missionary stuff full time. And so they'll work. So pray for a job for Bob, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And so you, you get this newsletter and you, you get so excited over these little things, <coughs> you know. And, 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 then, and then the next newsletter comes and it's like, we found a place. And you're like, yeah, you're so excited about giving them money because it's, things are happening. Now imagine uh, if you get a newsletter and, and, and the first one's cool. We're looking for a place and all this kind of The second one comes, we found a place. Uh, it's awesome. It's, it's 6,500 square feet. It's got granite countertops. It's got a plasma television. And this place is rocking. Praise the Lord, you know. You're like, okay. You know, and then the next newsletter comes, and it's like, Bob got a job, you know, in the financial district. It's, it's beyond our hopes and dreams, you know. He, he's working 60 hours a week, and we're, trying, we're hoping he's going to get a promotion soon. They've talked to him already about becoming partner. And you're like, huh? All, all, all right, okay, that's second newsletter. Third newsletter, Nancy decided to get a job because we're going to put the kids in uh, club cricket or whatever they play in barista stand. Uh, and, you know, she's, she's, she's a gifted and this is it. And uh, it's, it's, it's $1,200 a year, so Nancy's going to get a job. And, uh, you know, the kids are doing great. They're in club cricket and, and uh, it's awesome. And then the, the fourth one comes and it's like, man, we're, we're struggling financially, but uh, we, we might have to sell the jet skis because barista stand has this killer lake in it, in my, in my mind. Uh, and so, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth newsletter, you're like, what, what in the world? You know, what are they doing? Here's the thing. If I had to write a missionary newsletter every month, I wonder what it would look like. Because here, here's the thing we're going to talk about this morning. We've been talking about having a life of impact. And the reason we have the match up there is because each one of us has so much potential to do great damage for the kingdom of God. We, if, we're, if we're let on fire, we can impact the people around us, all around us, for God's kingdom. We can set them free. We can, we can offer them hope. And so we just need to be lit. And what we've been talking about is that... <clears throat> If you have a life, to, to have a life of impact, God has to have impacted you. Because right? God, if God hasn't impacted me, how am I going to sh- go and share all the great things he's done? Well, you know, it's like, hey, let me tell you about God. You know, what's he done? Nothing. But I go to church anyway. I mean, what good is that? 
And so we've been talking about this idea that, you know, we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and, that, and that last week we talked about when that happens, the first thing we have to do, the very first thing is impress it to our children so that we can pass the baton to the next generation. So we don't lose that next generation. So here's the thing for this, this morning that you can put in, in your notes. You, we all have notes. There's a little thing that says, you are a missionary. You are a missionary. And, you, you might, and I'm going to prove it to you later, okay? So just write it down. You're like, I'm not writing that. There's no way I'm writing that, uh, okay? Um, I don't know if, has anyone gone through that with God? I'll do anything, but I won't be a missionary to Africa, right? And God's like, oh, okay, Haiti. What? No, you know, it's like, I should have been more specific. You know, so I don't know if you've ever done that, but you're a missionary. Whether you like it or not, you're called to the mission field. And we're going to talk about what this looks like in a story um, <clears throat> that Jesus tells. And what, what I want to do this morning is open our eyes a little bit to how we see evangelism. And if you want to learn more about this, go to that 301 class starting in October because we talk about this at length. But we've boiled evangelism down to the fact that you've got to lead somebody in a prayer. And when you do, they come to Christ and then you can put a notch on your belt or a bookmark in your Bible, or however you keep track, and, and, and that that's, that's evangelism. And, and, and because it's awkward for most of us, we all say we don't have the gift of evangelism, and so we leave it up to people who kind of operate that way, or we mock them for operating that way, and we look at our own way and go, oh, I do lifestyle evangelism where I just live my own life. And if anyone wants to ask me, they feel free. We, we do all this stuff. Here's what I want. I want to open our eyes to evangelism like you were a missionary. Because a missionary doesn't get dropped onto whatever little island they're on and immediately start walking up to people going, you know, you're a sinner and in the blood of Jesus and all this kind of... A missionary looks at his surroundings and goes, okay, what is the best strategy to bring truth? They don't water down the gospel to bring truth to these people to set them free. That's what a missionary does. And so as we look at this story that, that, that's coming up that Jesus is telling... Hopefully what will happen is your eyes will be open to maybe some different strategies that you can put in your next missionary newsletter next month to say, guess what happened? See, <clears throat> so what we do at Living Spring is we've boiled our, our, our evangelism strategy to invest, invite, and include. We invest in people. And then we invite them to an appropriate event or and that appropriate event might be a baseball game, not Sunday morning. And then we include them once they're here. And so evangelism for you might be going, hey, you know what? I'm going to sit in the back and li- lift, let this seat be open for a visitor or reaching out and including someone. Or you're in your small group and someone brings someone and they're just not quite right. And you go, you know what? I don't even care. That's evangelism. We invest in people. We invite them to an appropriate event and then we include them. All to share the gospel, which we don't dilute. Eventually, we get to the part about sin and all the uncomfortable things and hell and all that kind of stuff. But it's a process. So let me, let me tell you what's going on in this section of scripture. We're in Luke chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 25. I'm going to give you a little historical background uh, to prove that I can read the internet like anyone else. Um, but he, here's, here's what's going on. Uh, in this culture, if you were a rabbi, you would be tested by other rabbis. 
And, and in this culture, at this time, your honor was like the highest thing you had. You would never dishonor somebody. That would be, that would be terrible. And so what would happen is these lawyers, when you read a lawyer in the Bible, don't think of a guy who, who chases the, the ambulance camel at, at the, this time. The, and, and, you know, if someone hurts themselves, they're like, you know, you know, get, call me when you, you know, whatever, however a Jewish lawyer would sound. I, I don't even know. Anyway, so um, take that off the podcast. Okay, uh, so it's not a lawyer like that. It's an expert in the law. He n- understands the law. And so these experts in the law, while rabbis would talk, these experts in the law would challenge them. And then these rabbis would give what they call a repost. So anytime you read something where someone's coming up to Jesus and getting in his face and Jesus comes back, it's called a challenge and repost. It's, it's all through the, Old, uh, the New Testament, and it's just normal for that, for that time, okay? That, that gives, just gives you a little background. Okay, Luke 10, 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. This is the challenge. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to in, in, uh, inherit eternal life? Now, this guy isn't standing up saying, I want to be saved, Jesus. How do I do it? Jesus didn't go, you know, thank you, I see that hand. That isn't what was going on here. He's going, what must I do to eternal life? Like, let me hear your answer, and I will judge whether or not you are an expert in the law and deserve your, 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 uh, your um, title, rabbi. Whew. Okay? In a good repost, you never allow yourself to be cornered. And Jesus was the master of challenge and repost. You don't, here's the thing, you can write this down in your notes if you want. Don't ever challenge Jesus, because he will light you up, okay? (laughs) Don't ever challenge Jesus, or he will light me up, and underline that, okay? Jesus says, a good repost, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Okay, now listen. Jesus has been teaching this stuff all throughout Palestine. The lawyer knows what the answer is, and he knows the answer Jesus wants because Jesus has been teaching this. And so he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so this guy's like, this guy's got it, right? So now, now he's looking good, okay? Jesus says, again, don't challenge Jesus. You've... Have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Done. Jesus ends up on top. The guy's like, oh, you know, he made me look bad. So he wanted to justify himself. He's wanting to make sure that his honor is not taken. He says, so he asked Jesus, and who's my neighbor? Bet you didn't see that coming, Jesus, right? Okay. Right now, the lawyer is totally stoked. He knew this was a trap. He knew it was coming. And Jesus is like, who's my neighbor? Oh man, I hadn't thought about that. Dear Lord, please give me the right answer. Give me the right words to say, Lord. Yeah, I know I'm being challenged. It's the attack of the enemy. Oh God, please. Right. Jesus doesn't do that, right? He'd never challenge Jesus. He says this. He says, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem. Now, now let's just stop right there. Right now, the lawyer's like, Oh, nuts. (laughs) He's got something. So he's listening very carefully because he's trying to, remember, he's an expert in the law. And so he, like any good husband, is trying to formulate his argument prior to Jesus, you know, being done with the story, right? I don't know if you've ever done that, but someone's talking and it's, it's like, 
I know what I'm going to say. So Jesus starts, and let's go ahead and show it up there. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So Jesus is beginning to set this up. And a lot of us, now you're going, oh, I know this story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan, right? And, and, and it's a famous story. But what I want to do this morning is I want to look at this and see if we can see some insights into how we can adjust our monthly newsletter. Maybe some strategies that we can write for next month's newsletter to say, look, here's what I'm doing as a missionary. Here's how I'm impacting the world around me. And, and again, I'll, I'll, get to, I'll get to proving you're a missionary so you can't hide. Uh, and he says, a man going down from Jerusalem, he left him half dead. Now, now listen, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, you, know, you can read 500 different commentaries. They're all going to give you different things. This represents this. This represents that. Uh, you know, the priest. Some, some actually don't even give the priest a hard time. That He, he might have thought that the d- body was dead and you're not allowed to touch a dead body. He was a priest and all this kind of Okay. You can just read it for what it is. Religion has failed this man. Like the priest and the Levite have failed this man. What we would say, well, yeah, to be a priest, that's awesome. That's a great calling. That's a calling. A Levite, yeah, 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 that's awesome. They've failed the man. Institutional religion always fails people. Because we're the church. You and I are it. And so uh, if, we, if we hope that the priest is going to do it, and we hope that the Levite's going to do it, and we hope that Celebrate Recovery is going to do it, or whatever program our church has or whatever, it's going to fail them. Because institutional religion just fails people. This is why people will come into our church on a Sunday morning and go, oh my goodness, I've n- this is unlike anything I've ever been in. Why? It's different for them, for them. church was this church was that the church i went to the church i went to okay who who was there who who were you in relationship with what you you know what i mean it's always the church the church the church the church isn't designed to do that sunday morning isn't designed to do that you and i are uniquely designed to be missionaries now watch what happens is so cool but a samaritan now 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 again you know for those of you bible scholars out here you know what this means We've talked about it before. If I were talking to a group of Republicans, let's say this is the Republican National Convention right here, and, and, and I say, but a Democrat, you'd go, well, Democrats don't, you know, whatever. Or if I'm with Democrats, okay, and I, I say, you know what? Barack failed him. Nancy Pelosi failed him, but Rush Limbaugh came. Oh, Rush Limbaugh, okay. It's that, it's that, this is the cultural setting of what's going on here. Okay, now now, now check this out though. Listen, listen, don't miss it. The point of it is there's no way a Samaritan would do that. And here's the thing I want you to, here's what I want to speak against. As we start talking about you being a missionary, some of you are saying there's no way I could be a missionary. Imagine if I read the story and I said, but you, 
went and had, no, I can't do it. This is the whole point of the story. The person who's, who's, who's the hero is the most unlikely person. And you might be sitting there going, I'm the most unlikely person. This is for you, okay? If I can find my notes. Okay, so let me read this. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, and I want you to underline that if you underline things in your Bible. My wife underlines everything in her Bible. I don't like to touch my Bible. I leave it pristine, and except for when the pastor told me to. This is what I do growing up. And, and so I've had very few things underlined. So you might already have this underlined. As he traveled. It is such a powerful little snippet of words. A Samaritan as he traveled. In other words, in the day-to-day of life. Do you know we are all traveling somewhere? I, I, when I travel, when I go on a trip, I have one thing in mind, the destination. I don't want to look at scenery. I don't want to stop. I don't want to go to the bathroom. I want to get there. There'll be time for all that when we get there. Eating, bathroom, all this kind of stuff. Got kids in the back going like this. I'm like, hang on, we only got a half an hour more. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I just, it's just, I think of the destination. And I think a lot of times in life, this is how we live life. The next promotion, the next thing. Oh, once she gets out of, high school and goes into college, when I retire, da, 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 when all this kind of stuff, I don't like this thing, but when I get into that, and when I get into that, and when we buy this, and when we add this, and when we do this, it's always this destination. The Samaritan said, it's as he traveled in the midst of that, what happens? Uh, He came where the man was, and when he saw him, this is the second part, he took pity on him. He actually felt something. He didn't go, dude, I know you're in b- bad shape, but I'm traveling right now. I've got it. First of all, there's robbers everywhere, as you can see. Uh, and, you know, uh, as you've probably come to find out, uh, I, got, I got to get going. I got, maybe he's a businessman, and there's a deal in Jericho that is going to just rock it for their family. He, he makes slingshots, and in Jericho, they just need slingshots, and they'll pay any price for slingshots. And he's all loaded up, and he's like, this is the business deal of the lifetime. And he comes up on this guy and he goes, oh man, as you're traveling, can you look past the destination? Look, let me give you an example of my own life so that you can leave the church and find another one. Um, <laughs> I, uh, it was yesterday and um, I, I have a destination for my kids. They're going to school for a reason and that reason is to learn. So when there's a teacher that I don't feel is teaching my kid, they're, the destin- they're getting me off the destination. Teach my kid how to do what it is we're paying you to do. And, then, and so I was talking to Tim Ellis, who goes to church here, and I was talking about this teacher, yes, behind his back, uh, and I didn't have anything nice to say. Yes, I got it. I'm, I'm terrible. And I said, I'm just going to go talk to that guy. I'm just going to tell him, dude, you need to pick it up a couple notches. Come on. Now, because I got a destination. I got somewhere to go. I want my kids to learn. I got, this is why we entrust you in their, right, right, right? So Tim says, hey, let me tell you the backstory about that guy. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get disciplined right now by the Lord. I just, I just knew it. I'm like, yeah, no time for that. See you later, right? He starts telling me the story about this teacher and his past and all this kind of stuff. And I went, ah. Oh. I just wanted to give the guy a hug, (laughs) right? I didn't want to berate him anymore. It's like, why am I here? 
Why is she in that class? Like, what's the de- is the destination of her learning this material more important than that guy? I just felt so crummy, and so I, I'll never meet with Tim again. But my point is, <laughs> I felt pity for the guy, and it changed everything. You got a neighbor like that? 11 o'clock at night, he's like, oh my, I'm going to call the cops. Do you have a, a, a schoolmate like that in the locker next to you? Do you have a, do you have a do you, are you in a hobby? Like, you know, you fly planes and there's this one guy in the little hobby group that you just, oh, I can't stand that guy because I want to fly my planes. Can you, can you be sidetracked as you travel through life to take pity on those around you? Now, now so here's the thing cool okay we're on we're all on a journey we're all trying to get somewhere i I hear you have pity on somebody i got it i i i will i'll start opening my eyes and look around i got pity now here's the thing this is the the next verse is the greatest part of the whole thing this is the one that kills us this is like the deal breaker for us because okay i can feel pity right I can, I can go about my day and I'm like, oh man, you know, poor people or this or that or, oh man, that's, man, that guy who plays his music loud, he's probably into drugs. Oh man. And then in verse 34, Jesus just like takes, if he had a Bible with him and smacks this guy in the face and says, he went to him. See, it's not just enough to be on your road and go, oh, you know what, let me take a look. Oh yeah, oh man, that's too bad and get back on. He went to him. Now, in your ministry context, where God has placed you as a missionary, which he has. See, this is how it works with missionaries, just so you know kind of the context of how you're supposed to live when you do your newsletter. Because there are some things in newsletters you're not supposed to say and other things you are. You are a fully funded missionary. The way God has placed it is, here's the deal. I'm going to take care of your needs. I'm going to give you a certain amount of money. You're going to give 10% back to me just to show me you trust me. It's, we call it set apart. It's a holy for the Lord. And I'm going to, you live on 90% of that income. That's just the way the scripture is called a tithe. If you think the church talks about money too much, I don't know what to tell you. It's, it's just what it says. So here's your funding. You're a fully funded missionary. You, you get funds every paycheck by God to go, okay, I'm going to take care of your needs. You focus on mission in your context and so how are you going to go to them in your context what does that look like for you you see somebody they've been robbed by the enemy robbed of their dignity robbed of their purity robbed of their of their um uh, self-worth god has uh, i mean i'm sorry satan has stolen from them maybe financially maybe he, he he's a thief he seeks to kill and destroy Leaving people half dead where they just go, I, I don't even know. How are you going to go to them? You can see and go, man, their relationship with their wife is horrible. Man, I just feel it. How are you going to go? What's your strategy? Because what happens when a missionary gets dropped into a location, they learn the culture, they learn the language, they try to, they, they try to show the revel- relevance of the Bible in those, persons, in those people's context. So here's, here's, unfortunately, what it means to go, okay? He went to him and bandaged his wounds. Being a missionary is very messy. When, when you invest in people, they're going to allow you to see parts of their life you never wanted to see. It's going to be uncomfortable. 
I was reading this part about bandaging in the wounds and I was trying to put myself in that location. And anyone who knows me, I have a bottle of Purell on my desk because I'm like a full-on germaphobe. Not as bad as Howie Mandel, but I'm, 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 uh, I'm bad. So if I shake hands or whatever, I just don't want to get sick and I'm sick right now. But uh, I, so I use the Purell, right? So if I saw somebody there like bleeding and all jacked up, I'd be like, okay, you know, here's some bandages, you know, and here's the thing and, right? But this guy, he, he grabs him and he bandages his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, to, the oil to, to keep the wounds moist so that they can heal and the wine as an antiseptic and all this kind of stuff. And he, he does this for, for this guy. Now, now, you say, well, I'm not, I don't mind the wounds. There are wounds that you're going to see that, that you don't want to deal with. There are people's lives that are so wounded and so half dead it's easier just to go home and turn on the television. Don't tell anybody I said that. It's just easier to walk away because you don't like yeah you don't like it. You sit in front of somebody and you hear about their life and you're like, I can't help. I I got nothing, dude. But you're investing. Watch watch how this investment just keeps going. So he bandages his wounds. He puts oil on. He, then he put the man on his own donkey. This bloody guy puts him in his Escalade, okay? And, 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 and he took him to the inn to take care of him. Now listen, this next thing is just amazing. The next day, I thought he was traveling. Didn't we underline as he traveled? It cost him a day? Where was he going? What was he trying to do? Was he, did he miss his appointment? Now there's a new slingshot that somebody else did. And oh man, I got there. And we don't use those slingshots anymore. We use these. What's he missing? See, he doesn't care what he's missing. Because now the focus is different than the journey. The focus is mission. The focus is people. The focus is impact that he's having. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, this is great because it kind of gives us a way out. We're not supposed to just have no boundaries and just, you know, we do, we are on a journey and there are things we're responsible for. But it costs him two silver coins a day. He has to bandage things up and look at stuff and get rocks out of things and right? He's got to do all this kind of stuff. And then the kicker is this. When I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have doesn't give any type of but. I'm telling you, don't go crazy, okay? I mean, he just says, whatever it costs. I don't know. Maybe this guy, maybe the innkeeper's like, cool. Let's give him the spa treatment. And like $450 in a mud bath and two like cucumbers later, it's like, yeah, I took care of the guy. Just like you said, that'll be $1,500 or whatever. The guy, just he just trusts. Now watch what Jesus says to him. Which of you, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? Now, listen, Jesus just flips the whole thing around because the guy asked the question, who's my neighbor, right? Who is my neighbor? Jesus says the thing, gives the answer. He says, which of these do you think was a neighbor? See, a neighbor is anyone you show neighborliness to. Those are your neighbors. So they could be at school. They could be at work. They could be in the chess club. They could be on the soccer team. They could be anywhere. We're the neighbor. 
ones who are supposed to be so radically transformed that we can be on our travels and see somebody and take pity on them and go to them and bandage their wounds. Begin to tell them, hey, I'm here for you. I'm here to invest in your life. And then at an appropriate time, we invite them. This is what this this yellow shirt is all about, this Be the Church. On October 24th, we're shutting the church down. No church on Sunday. We're going to go out and we're going to help these homes that Garden Grove has given us to help. I want to read an email I got this week to kind of give you an idea of the vision behind this. It says, um, <clears throat> Hi, Pastor John. I just wanted to say that this is such a great outreach to the community. They're talking about our shirts what we're going to do while we're wearing our shirts. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Make more shirts. Amen. Okay. No. All right. Um, This is such a great outreach to the community. I heard about it because I was one of the possible uh, uh, needing help locations. Unfortunately, now listen to this guy. This This is it, okay? Unfortunately, because we are a very private family, we did not want the neighbors to know our situation, so we politely declined to CC. But nevertheless, that a church is actually helping others in such a way was simply nice to hear and know that all is not completely lost in the world. We also love the name of your church. Thank you again for helping others in these hellish times. We're not going to be able to end up helping this person because... Did you, hear the, did you hear the woundedness? I don't, I don't know what makes them so wounded they can't, that they can't even cry out for help. I don't know what that is. We've all got neighbors like this. We've all got coworkers like this and students and teachers of our kids like this and coaches of our, uh, of our kids. And they're all around us. They're everywhere. Mission is everywhere. A- and you and I am a missionary. You say, well, John, you're in full-time ministry. My job doesn't count. I, mean, I have to work and you have to work. It makes us the same. Just because I work and try and get more people in small groups, I'm still a missionary in, in my neighborhood. And when I, on the soccer team, all that, I'm not off the hook just because I'm in full-time ministry. If you work 50 hours and I work 50 hours, that's work. And here's where it shows up in my work. Sometimes people will come to the office and I don't, I have a journey. I'm trying to get things done. I don't have time. Not anyone in this church, but uh, you know, if you have people going on and about something, I'm just like, oh man. And God is like, how dare you make it about the ministry and not about mission? So I struggle with this as well. And let, let me show you what he says. The expert in the law says the one who had mercy on him and Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You want to love the Lord your God? You want to have a life of impact? Go and do likewise. Go. Do it. You say, I'm the most unlikely person to help. So was the Samaritan. And you can begin to start to dream about, imagine if you, you know, it came up with a strategy. Um, I, I just started thinking of a strategy this week. I talk to a lot of people in my neighborhood about finances. It's probably the easiest thing to bring up because, you know, the economy is going crazy and it's because the Republican, Democrat, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and, and so Lisa and I are teaching this class on uh, 
helping our finances. And it's for the church now, but I started thinking, you know, what if I just, as I'm walking, I just kind of kept track of people who were talking about their finances and how difficult it is and all this. And then I start another small group in my house where I just say, hey, you know, you've talked about finances. We have finances. You know, let's, let's just talk about it. We got a six-week thing with Dave Ramsey. He's on the radio. And, and he talks about what the Bible has to say. It's truth that's been around for 2,000 years. And it just applies. Would you, would you like to come to that? That's, that's a strategy. It doesn't have to be, hi, my name's John. You're going to hell. Blood of Jesus will get you out of there, though. Okay, no, no, not, not for you. Okay, bye-bye. There can be another strategy of the culture. Now, maybe you're in a work situation, and maybe it's, maybe there's a lot of gossip going on in the office about the boss who's an idiot. Everybody agrees. And your strategy is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and not say one bad thing about my boss while we're talking. I'm going to try and do something different. What's your strategy? Let me show you the missionary part. Jesus is talking in Matthew, and he just flat out says it. He says, you're the light of the world. (laughs) There's no plan B. There's no... And if you're not the light of the world, then me and the Holy Spirit are going to do something else. Is this it? You're the light of the world. One sentence, case closed. You have no choice. You're either good light or bad light or incandescent light or, you know, whatever. There is no plan B for us. When I first came to this church, the thing that got me most excited um, was the stained glass. No, uh, was um, on the way out, you'll see a sign that says you're entering your mission field. And I was like, oh, yes, you are. That is all. I love that. And so as you leave, check out that sign. Don't, don't, and think about that. What, what is it like? So you are the light of the world, Jesus says. He says, a city on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Jesus is saying, essentially, that would be stupid. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, in that exact word picture, you put yourself on a stand and give light where you're at in your mission context. Or it says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now listen, this is so exciting because it opens up so much creativity. Did it say... In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may hear your well-crafted arguments. Did it say, let your light shine in such a way that they'll really know you're serious about this because your, your veins are popping out in your neck. Does it say, what does it say? That they may see your good deeds. That opens up so much creativity for us to minister how we were created. And so it's going to look different. You, you as a missionary in your mission context is going to look different than mine because you have different ways of expressing the love of God that's in you. 